Welcome to the Huntback Country Podcast. This is episode number 421, and our guest is Josh Skinner. He is a listener of the podcast, just like you, and he's joining us for our listener story series. We're talking with different listeners of the podcast about their hunting plans for this fall, how they're preparing for their hunts, what they're learning, and all of the before aspects of their hunts. And then those same guests are going to join us later this fall after their hunts to tell us how things went, what they learned, and more. Josh is an Idaho resident and drew one of the trophy tags as an Idaho resident for mountain goat. So this is a true once-in-a-lifetime hunt to hunt mountain goats in his home state of Idaho. Steve has hunted mountain goats in Idaho. I've hunted mountain goats in Alaska. And we're talking with Josh just about hunting mountain goats and his opportunity, how he's been preparing for it, what questions he has for us, and so much more. So this is a fun one. Mountain goat hunts are very special, very special to me in particular, I would say. But even if you've never hunted mountain goats or maybe you think you never will, I would encourage you to tune in. There's still a lot to take away from this conversation. As always, guys, if you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out directly. Just send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. I hope you guys are enjoying all these episodes. If you have a hunting story that you want to share with us from this fall, just reach out to that same email. Send us some notes. Let us know how it goes. Good, bad, ugly, anything like that. We'd love just to hear some of the experiences of our listeners. Again, that email is just podcast at exomountaingear.com. Right now, though, let's dive into this conversation with Josh. Josh, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, first of all, congratulations. You drew a goat tag. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited to be on the podcast and for the goat tag, of course. Cool. Well, before we do dive into this tag and the opportunity and planning this hunt and all that stuff, uh, go ahead and give us some context for who you are, where you're from, just kind of let listeners know a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, well, my name is Josh Skinner and I'm from Southeastern Idaho. Born and raised in the Idaho Falls area, uh, grew up hunting with my dad and his friends. And then in my, I don't know, 20s to mid 30s, I kind of got away from hunting for work. And then my life changed to a point where I could get back to it. And I've been going full steam as an adult with it. But uh, yeah, I love love being outside. Yeah, cool. Well, just to like give some basic information for listeners who may not be aware in Idaho, for uh, residents, there's three once-in-a-lifetime tags being um, sheep, mountain goat, moose. So when you do draw a mountain goat tag, it's truly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Sometimes that phrase gets throws or gets thrown around, but this is kind of a true meaning of a word of uh, it's once-in-a-lifetime to at least hunt goats in Idaho for you. Yeah. It, I'm curious to start here. Like, have you always prioritized goats in the draw? Because you do have to choose each year which of those species you're going to apply for. Yeah. Uh, so for almost the last 10 years, I've been putting in for, um, and this isn't a spot burn, so I don't think it's okay to say it. I've been putting in for the Unit 67 Palisades hunt. So I actually live on the edge of that unit, and I'm familiar with a lot of the goat country over there. And then, you know, I've been putting in for that. And, uh, this year they took that hunt away and i don't know if it has anything to do with the recent call they did over in you know grand teton just over the border from that unit but 
anyway, I decided to throw my hat in the ring for this other hunt and drew it. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. But yeah, so I prioritized mountain goat and then, you know, I'll put in for like a second chance cow elk tag or something like that and shoot an elk on my buddy's farm to make sure the freezer's full every year. But, and uh, it also actually pushed me into picking up a, a bow, which I've never bow hunted until the last few years. So I could, uh, I would say chase antelope in the desert, but honestly, I sit in a blind over water in the desert, so I'm not really chasing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I had several people ask me if I was going to use my bow for this goat hunt. And I mean, there's not a, there's not a chance I would take that, <laughs> that risk. <laughs> I'm not much of a bow hunter. Yeah. Gotcha. What is, so for you prioritizing goats consistently? Because, you know, some guys I talk to in Idaho, they kind of bounce around. Some guys are super set on knocking out those trophy species in a certain order. Just for you personally, what is the appeal to pursuing goats with this opportunity and constantly putting in for goats? I think, uh, you know, honestly, it's it's where they live. Um, you don't you don't really see them that much around here unless you're looking for them. Um, once in a while, you could see them in the river canyon between Jackson and Alpine, but I, you know, I can look out the window and see moose at my house. And then you, know, you can drive a wildcat through the mountains and see sheep, I guess. But I don't know. Sheep live in amazing places too, of course. But there's just something about goats and where they live. They're beautiful animals as well. So kind of that's one of the things I've bounced around in my head with on a, on a goat hunt is typically like I'm the epitome of a, a meat hunter, like I have a small old country home. I don't have room for mounts and stuff like that. So I don't usually chase antlers. And if, if uh, cows, or excuse me, elk are always over objective in this area. So I'm always happy to just shoot a cow elk and put it in the freezer. So it's been interesting for me chasing a trophy hunt so hard. But of course, you know, I, I will value the meat. I look forward to eating it. Everybody I've talked to and I listen to you guys talk about it, how good the meat is maybe a little bit rough, tough, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's delicious. You found out you drew, as you said, you were surprised. It's the first time you put in for this specific area. What immediately after like the shock kind of wears off and settles in and you're like, okay, this is real. What were some of the first steps or first things in your mind? Like, was it scouting was a training was a gear what i mean there i'm sure there's a variety of all that but like where did you first go in terms of okay this is real this is happening now what yeah i would say definitely training and scouting both like at the same time it's like man i gotta get to the unit i gotta get hiking and i've gotta get this winter beer belly off of me quick Yeah, I've just been trying to get out and hike, um, doing push-ups in the morning and, you know, just put a pack on and get to work. So I'm going again this weekend uh, with my girlfriend. We're going to go backpack in and I'll try to carry all her gear and my gear just for a little bit extra weight. And uh, yeah, nice. just train that way. I'm not much of a gym gym rat, but. You said go again, meaning you've already made a scouting trip then? Yeah, I went a uh, weekend before last over. It was a little bit early to be over there. There was a lot of raging water all over all the roads and trails and uh, snow on the on the trails too. But I think it's heated up enough that a lot of that should be gone by now. So, Is this a unit that has good access or is it going to be a lot of backpacking? 
a lot of backpacking, but they don't have to be long treks into the into the backcountry. I mm. reached out to one of the tag holders uh, of this unit from last year, and he gave me some really good intel on where to look for goats and where nice. he was seeing billies. And I have another friend that uh, deer and elk hunts in the area, and he gave me the exact same information. So I've already got a pretty good zone to hone in on. <clears throat> I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket, but that's definitely where I'm starting to, you know, spend a lot of my efforts and get in and get sorted out before I start looking around in other places. Have you decided uh, what you're, you're, we sound very familiar being just meat hunters and um, the same logic for me when I mountain goat was tops on my list for trophy species because of like exactly like the places it'll take you and you know getting up in the, those big peaks and remote country um, but have you decided to are you after old mature billy or just kind of any billy have you kind of narrowed that down no i i definitely want to go after a old mature billy yeah um, like you know mark was saying earlier from i'm only going to do this once in idaho and it was important for me to do this first in idaho i've, I've got a buddy in British Columbia, it's actually Justin Kalesi, the guy that uh, shot the record goat last year. We used to snowmobile together in another lifetime. And uh, he's offered to have me come up to BC and and hunt with him and a guide, but I've always just wanted to do it here first. So we'll see how it goes mm -hmm. after this hunt. I might go to BC or Alaska for another one, but um, nice. yeah, which makes me, you know, I just watched Mark's goat hunt in Alaska the other day and Man, that is beautiful country. Looks rugged for sure. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if you're already hinting at, I think I might go to Alaska or BC, it's it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After you have this opportunity in Idaho and get in goat country even more. And obviously it's different a bit up north, but yeah, it's plan on it. You're gonna want to do it. <laughs> All right. I'll start saving up. <laughs> Man, have you seen uh Justin's goat in person by chance? That world record no. goat? No, I, I didn't. I, I guess they had a, I think they had either had his Euro or a replica at, at Sheep Show this year, yeah. but I didn't go down. Yeah, I saw it at Sheep Show and it was just like, just jaw dropping, just unbelievably big. Um, yeah, I mean, just hard to put into words. And it's funny because goats are one of those species. It's like the difference between a good goat and a great goat is often, I don't want to say minuscule, but you know, pretty minor, right? Like, yeah. You can take an inch here or there and stuff like that. Um, you just don't necessarily see this giant variety in goats as much compared to guys who are used to chasing horns, right? Or sorry, chasing antlers on deer and elk. But I mean, you see that goat from Justin, you're like, holy cow, like that's truly a class of its own type goat. It was just wild to see in person. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. walking by thinking it was fake. Yeah, it just really did like look fake. Caught me at cut corner out of my eye. Like, oh, well, that's some weird fake looking thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a super busy booth. And it's like, huh. yeah, it's impressive. I don't, I don't know if you guys got to talk to him or not, but he's, he's a fantastic human being. I couldn't be happier mm -hmm. for him. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Um. So, yeah, scouting. What are, it sounds like, you know, you went out a couple weeks ago. You're going out this weekend. Is that, are you trying to get out? as much as possible um just through the summer are you trying to learn you kind of said like you have good intel but you don't want to only put all your eggs in that basket so are you just trying to get into some new country in that unit like when you say scouting what is kind of the strategy there 
Yeah. So I think, you know, my strategy from now to, you know, mid, mid to the end of July is mostly going to be terrain scouting, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, seeing where I can get and how I can get there. And then I think, um, from, you know, what I've read and the information I'm trying to learn rapidly is really start paying attention to where they're at in early August. Um, and hopefully they won't move too far from there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, one of the reasons for scouting a bunch is it'll help me get in shape as well. And I mean, honestly, backpacking and being outside is one of my main hobbies anyway. So it works out. Um, I plan on devoting pretty much all my free time this summer to, to either doing something physical to get me in shape or being in the unit. Uh, just enjoying it. I want to make, you know, I want to squeeze every ounce of opportunity and enjoyment out of having this tag that I can. Not that there's ever been anything stopping me from being in that unit without a goat tag, but it's <laughs> a good excuse. Yeah. And then when, once, you know, we, I get through scouting, I want to start hunting pretty hard, probably like the last week of September and just mm. watch the weather. Um, I'm only, you know, I'm an hour and a half, not even an hour and a half from the unit. So it's, I can get over there pretty quick. Um, yeah. I just want the, the goats to, to hair up really well before I get too excited. Um, yeah. When I had mine, uh, all the advice was wait until October 1st, basically. And that's essentially what I did. I went and bow hunted. I could bow hunt elk in the unit. So same deal. I just went in there and kind of hunted elk and was looking half scouting, half hunting and watching them and finding them. And then really turned the switch on October 1st. I think that was my first trip in and they were seemed to be pretty haired up by then. The one I shot was wasn't lacking i don't know how much if you'd waited till you know october 30th i don't know how much more hair would have grown but uh there was i remember i was at the idaho sportsman show and uh, there's mountain goat and i'm just like that thing looks funny and i talked to the taxidermist and it just took me a second to realize yeah the hunter shot at august 30th and i was like oh yeah okay i'm definitely not gonna do that Uh, (laughs) because it looked like someone took a you know shears to it and just gave it a buzz cut yeah yeah, I think I'm yeah, I'm very excited to put my hand on the hide. They just look amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. So you is that uh yeah, I guess that's something I mean you, you hit it pretty well, but it is something I find unique um when you have this tag and it sounds like you're gonna have plenty of opportunity to get out. You talked about wanting a mature Billy, it's I think convincing yourself to stay patient if you happen to find a mature Billy fairly early um, and kind of risking, okay, can I relocate him later? Is the weather going to hold out? Because that's the other thing too, is you get later and later into October and there's just those gambles you're making on access and things like that. So timing is uh, definitely something just to think through a lot for someone like yourself who has this resident opportunity and you have time to hunt, but it's also like, at what point are you patient? At what point do you hold out? At what point can weather keep you out of country? So that's going to kind of be fun to hear about for how this goes down for you. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I literally think about that every day, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It makes me a little bit nervous, but I definitely do want to wait and, I used to snowmobile a little bit in this unit back in the day, and it seemed like snow typically came fairly late there. But when, you know, when you're talking about 10,000 plus foot peaks, I mean, you can easily snow in August and and stick around as we all know, but 
We'll just have to hurry up and wait, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a, a bullet point in an email you sent me as we were talking about this podcast, putting it together uh, and didn't fully explain it, but want to hear about it. And maybe this, the answer is what you just described, but one of your bullet points was just tag anxiety. What do you mean by that? So I've, it's happened to me before. Um, I broke my leg a couple of years ago, riding dirt bikes in Southern Utah. And I actually was laid up and I forgot to put in for goats that year. Um, which was turned out to be good because I broke my leg pretty bad and I wasn't getting around that well in the fall. <laughs> but uh, so I missed the the trophy unit application period as before the regular, uh, you know, deer elk species. And I put in for the unit 67 muley tag, which has the same odds as drawing a goat tag. And I freaking drew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. So I had to, you know, get myself healthy enough to truck around in the woods. And then that was a year that we didn't have early snow and that hunt, you know, bringing the big 180 inch deer down kind of depend from Wyoming kind of depends on snow. So I had a lot of tag anxiety on that because I've never shot a deer, you know, uh, bigger than a three point. Um, and you know, a lot of my friends are very avid hunters and they've got, you know, the little hunting, you know, uh, social media outlets and they're selling apparel and stuff like that. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> I really stepped <laughs> in it with this tag. And I ended up, uh, shooting a four point, but it was one that uh, anybody could shoot during general season anyway. So I, you know, I, I kind of lived through the tag anxiety and then I, I'm very happy with the deer and super grateful. I, it's on, you know, it's euros on my wall, but I know what it feels like not to meet my own expectations on a trophy tag, mm-hmm. but I still have it with this mountain goat tag because like it's, it's a once in a lifetime Idaho experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just try to not get in my own head, remind myself that just be uh, grateful that I have the opportunity and not stress about it too much. Yeah. I would imagine, you know, watching your mountain goat hunt, Mark, you had a little bit of anxiety being pent up in the cabin with rain and, you know, it came down to the wire, but you seemed to play it extremely cool. And uh, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. There was not so cool moments, but I tried yeah. to play it mostly cool. <laughs> um, could have been a war going on in your head, but you, yeah. you played it cool. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I hear all that, just going back to your hunt, when I hear all of that, um, I mean, it, it goes back to what you said, like, even now just having this tag, having this opportunity is an excuse for you to be in this country um, even now. So to me, when I look at, you know, your situation and like having this tag, it's the trophies, you know, the animals, the animal, the trophies, part of that, but like it's, it's this whole, it's months of scouting, planning, anticipation, anticipation, enjoyment of just being out there. Like that's, that's the trophy, like, uh, you know, anxiety on, man, is it an, you know, eight inch billy or a nine inch billy or how old is he or what have you? Like, that's fine to have those goals and to hold out partially because again, holding out means you, you are, uh, extending the, the experience, right? Like, yeah. um, that's one of the cool things about like having a standard or trying to hold out is just more hunting opportunity. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to, I think you said in the past for your mountain goat, Steve, of you knew you wanted to wait, but at the same time, 
like I think part of you wanted that experience to be a bit longer. And for me, it was mm-hmm. kind of similar with Alaska of like, that's part of the reason I walked away from a Billy on day one. It was like, I don't want to shoot a Billy on day one. Um, you know, I want this whole experience. I wasn't necessarily asking for everything I got and <laughs> let it happen the way it did now. But um, yeah, I did, all that to say like tag anxiety, try to let that go in terms of expectations or trophy or whatever. And just like appreciate it all. appreciate this weekend, the scouting trip and appreciate getting in there in September, appreciate extending that into October and then appreciate it when it all comes together in the end. Yeah. Let's say if you have time, do you have a flexible job and be able to take days off, you know, as you get into October to be able to make it happen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I plan on taking pretty much a month of just not scheduling anything for work. So I can be out there. So you got, if you were, you know, if you're limited to, I've got these three days I can take off of work and tie that under the weekend where you got a five day hunt and, and that adds some stress certainly. But in your case, if you've got flexibility with work, there's even at 10,000 feet, you're talking about like the snow It's it's pretty rare that October 1st snow comes and it dumps a bunch and then sticks around. Like it's going to melt. You're going to get opportunities. And if you're everybody I know, every single well, t- five people probably something like that in the last you know five years that I've friends of mine that have gotten goat tags. All of them have filled their tags. Almost all of them, it's the first trip out. As far as they wait till October, they go out, they they get their goat killed. So, yeah, I think you can certainly just you know I I, I remember feeling the pressure and wanting to kill a nice mature Billy, and uh, I think you certainly there's plenty of ample opportunity just to relax, enjoy it. And, appreciate every moment because it is special and being a once in a lifetime tag it's um yeah it's just special yeah i appreciate that advice thank you um you know one of the reasons i want to be uh, out in the unit so much scouting is if you know i do get that first day opportunity on you know if i I see a billy and i'm like that's the one um i'll feel like i've hopefully i'll feel like i've had you know all the experience that I wanted to get from that tag and be comfortable with shooting one on day one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I'm... Yeah. That was, so I, I think I had 17 days in the unit before I, between scouting and then the, the elk hunting scouting trips. And so I felt like, okay, I, I put my time in cause I killed my goat on the, uh, it's like the second full day of being in there hunting. Um, but I, like I said, it definitely, it's like, okay, I've, it's not like I just went out on day two and killed one. I've, I I got some time in this unit. I explored every square inch of it. Absolutely beautiful country. I was up in the white clouds. It, just unbelievable. Yeah, that's awesome. So back to like planning this hunt now, because obviously we're, we're having the before the hunt conversation in terms of planning. We've obviously hit scouting and awesome that you have good access to the country to get in and spend time there. But what, what do you feel you need to change if anything, just to be prepared for it? Otherwise, like, I know you mentioned training, but is there certain gear things that you like had to switch up or that came to mind? Or like, I guess just how are you continuing aside from what we've mentioned to prepare for this hunt? Um, yeah, gear wise, I just bought a, a new, tent that hopefully will show up before this weekend. I wanted a, a smaller shelter. I've been packing around a seek outside red cliff, 
which, uh, you know, I wanted a hot tent uh, for a couple different reasons, which has been nice to have, but, and, you know, and I have used it by myself sometimes and it just feels ridiculous with that big TP tent in me by myself. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, I ordered a, a Dursta next mid two solid um, and I got the poles for it. Cause I've, you know, heard people complaining back and forth about using tracking poles for it. And I could see myself going both ways on it, but so that was one, one upgrade that I'm excited about. And then, um, I bought, well, it was actually a gift, uh, my K2 pack from you guys, uh, years ago. And it's, it's hauled a lot of dead animals. It's been a fantastic pack. And honestly, there's not a, a single thing wrong with it, but, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I want to get my hands on a K4 and, and try one of those out for sure. Um, I've got a son that's getting ready to join the army and he wants to head towards the ranger side of things. So he wants to do a bunch of rucking with me this summer, which I'm excited about. Cause you know, in the past, my, my, I have two boys and neither one of them have really been into hunting. Um, but I'll be very happy to have at least one of them out there with me this summer scouting around. So I'll give him the K2, uh, put a bunch of weight in that. And then I'll, I'll get a K4 from you guys. And, that way but otherwise i think you know a funny little gear side note um not that anybody out in podcast land can see my gear list that i sent you guys but if you go through it you can see that you definitely had some influences on my gear choices over the years <laughs> um but i bought uh, that uh koa 70 773 spotter mm. and uh a zeiss v4 scope for my rifle before that mule deer hunt i was telling you about yeah. I ended up killing that buck at 18 yards in a farm field. I <laughs> <laughs> like three grand on optics and was all excited. <laughs> oh, it was ridiculous. So I'm looking forward to putting all that glass to some some serious work with this. Yeah. <laughs> that just reminded me, have you started, you up to date are uh, judging Billy versus Nanny and then looking at a Billy and trying to decide if he's big or small? Have you been diving into that do you have any experience looking at him in the past um i have been diving into it digitally um with the rmga you know uh gender uh -huh. test things they do uh shout out to those guys i've been a lifetime member with them for a few years now but um in the field no so you know i've definitely had my eyes on goats over in the mountains by my house here um but mostly it's been fleeting or like a half mile away in the winter time, mm -hmm. snowshoe and type deal. But um, I'm excited uh, to dive into that um, and start figuring it out. And then this year, Idaho's doing a, a mandatory gender identification for mountain goat tag holders. Really? Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're, they're finally, well, not, not to be critical of them, but yeah, they're finally doing that. And, uh, you know, I've had some anxiety over that. Like I woke up like three in the morning uh, a week ago and I'm like, fishing game hasn't sent my tag yet. Oh no. Was I supposed to go pick it up? Like freaking out. <laughs> I screwed it up. Yeah. And I've read the email, you know, that I was successful in the draw like 15 times. And it says, we will send you the tag. It's like, okay. So I, just, like, <laughs> I called into fishing game. Like, Hey, like I haven't seen my tag. What's going on? And they uh yeah they're just like we're doing a mandatory identification course and we will not send you your tag until you've completed it mm. is and that available got, yet the course 
It's not. I just got a follow-up email from them on Monday this week, I think, saying that they're working hard on it and they're trying to get it out as soon as possible. So, oh, okay. okay. So that'd yeah, be I'm sure cool. it'll be it'll be easy, I'm sure. But yeah. I know yeah. if you go to um which I fully agree, going back to your point on RMGA, their resources are fantastic. Um, I certainly use those to kind of study up. And then Alaska was similar. There's a mandatory um quiz which i had to take for mine and even if you don't hold a tag that quiz is public so um you can go to alaska department of fishing game and i think oh. there's as 20 25 ish um questions or scenarios or you know pick this or that um situations and yeah the, so if you haven't looked at that one yet like you can look at their quiz too um and take it it's public um so it'd be helpful to just have another resource to look at yeah, that's great to know. I'll I'll do that today for sure. Yeah, theirs was pretty good for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It um, I was the same where I didn't you know have practical in the field experience and just did a lot of online studying and research and obviously again had to pass that quiz. Um, and it definitely is even from those resources and videos. It doesn't replace being in the field and looking at goats, but it, it's certainly helpful. It's very helpful. Um, and there's ones that will be tricky or you need to wait to get the right look or the right angle and all that. But they're, you know, if you've looked at goats, even through these online resources, there's, there's going to be a lot you can tell quickly in a lot of situations. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll be great. I'm sure with all the, all the investment you're putting into studying it. Awesome. Another thing that was super helpful for me was just digiscoping. So when I was out there scouting, you know, taking videos and photos with my phone and then in the, you know, back home that week in between scouting trips, just watching them, studying them. Uh, I think even back then I used to use Facebook a little bit, I'd post it up and there's a few guys that were like, oh yeah, that's a Billy. That's a young Billy. That's a great Billy. And that was very helpful for me. Okay. Awesome. So hopefully you get to use these optics since you didn't use them on your mule deer hunt. Yeah. Going back to that. I I like <laughs> <laughs> when I went out last last time, uh, a couple weeks ago to the unit, I I forgot my phone scope, but I I took the spotter and uh, spotted two different nannies with kids, and those, the kids couldn't have been more than a week or two old. They were ridiculously cute, spazzing out, <laughs> jumping around the rock. Yeah. Yeah. I was kidding myself for not having the phone scope, trying to hold my phone up to the <laughs> spotter and hold still and work out. But. So you mentioned doing one of these scouting trips with your girlfriend. Is is she or anyone else, any buddies or anything? Do you plan to have folks helping you on the hunt itself once hunting season starts or you kind of do going solo or TBD? Uh, yeah, TBD. I definitely would like to have people with me. I, I do enjoy going out alone, uh, but I think for, I don't really, I, people do it for sure or in goat country alone, but um, I don't really want to fall <laughs> by myself. Not that yeah. I think that's going to be a big problem in this unit, uh, but yeah, I just, I like sharing the experience with, with people. Um, mm -hmm. I've got uh, a couple really close buddies that hunt, uh, but they also hunt a lot too. And they're, you know, they're busy in the fall. Um and uh, one of them just drew a, a coveted Wyoming mule deer tag. So I kind of, I was super excited for him, but sad at the same time. Cause I'm like, well, there was one of my main hunting partners for this hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, my girlfriend's not a hunter. Uh, she does like, you know, hiking and being outdoors and all that stuff. 
So I don't think she'll actually want to tag along on the hunts, but she's excited to go backpack in the summer and, and locate goats. Yeah, cool. Diving back to your gear list, I just pulled it up and uh, you have your rifle on there and it's a Remington Model 700 and 7 Rim Mag. You mentioned it's a older gun with sentimental value. So if you don't mind sharing, what's the kind of what's the story or background on that? Uh, it's a gun my dad had. It was the first one I remember him owning when I was really young. And uh, I used to, you know, watch him take deer and elk with it before I was old enough to hunt. And then he had it uh, forever and just beat the tar out of it. <laughs> Ended up buying a 300 rum uh, for, for whatever reason, and then gave me that seven mm and just over the years I've kind of upgraded it and, and, uh, I put way too much money into it more than it's worth for sure. Uh, <laughs> but it's important to me and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool old gun. I like it a lot. It doesn't look old by any means. It, uh, looks pretty modern and I did, uh, I finally did the paperwork to get a suppressor come in, but I didn't get it started soon enough. So my guess is the suppressor is going to show up in about November. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right after the hunt, but we yeah. still have it for the future. But yeah. It's been a good gun. Like I, the barrels probably shot out of it. Um, <laughs> I had to send it off to have the Seiko bolt mod done to it. Cause the, you know, the bolt was just at the end of its life and, and uh, I don't know, I'm just, it's on, it's not on life support, but I'm definitely feel like I'm keeping it alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You've made it your own, but it's also, you know, it has that history and has the meaning to it. Yeah. I'd say I don't particularly consider goats tough or anything like that. I mean, some people say that if you read some online stuff, but um, I, yeah, of those five buddies i know i think four of them killed them with creed Morse. you know just a good bullet good placement and they're going to go down yeah yeah, yeah I, I i concur not that i have experience shooting one but i've watched a lot of video and they seem to die like every other animal if you, sh you shoot them right so yeah i guess not every other animal is prone to jump off a cliff after you shoot it though so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that i mean that to me because i was bow hunting them as well that was the trickiest part and i was i was, I was up in the white clouds just very cliffy and nasty and it was one thing to find a billy and a whole other thing to find one in a killable location that wasn't going to go just fall off a thousand foot cliff yeah well if they do fall a thousand plus feet they're pretty tough i can tell you that they'll stay in town <laughs> you can vouch for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. After mine fell quite a bit, and I can't remember. You don't see this in the video. I can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast story, but um, it fell off, you know, this cliff and was in an avalanche chute. And our perspective was just limited uh, to where it fell from where I took the shot. Even though the shot was only, you know, 200 yards, it was like the way that country broke between us and where the goat was 200 yards away it was insane. So there's like this main avalanche shoot and it kind of braided out into three different avalanche shoots that we would come to find out. And so myself, Tyler and the guide Mark were each in our own separate avalanche shoot looking for the goat. And Mark ended up being the one to find it. And he's like, well, I found it, but uh, it's going to have to fall again. Like it was tied up. It was hung up in a tree, which is what kept it from falling further. And it was just in a spot. There was nothing we could do with it. Um, and so we had to 
let it go even further and further. Um, but yeah, he took a, he had like an extra dry bag and an extra t-shirt and some other stuff in his pack. And he took, he basically wrapped the head and horns and like a shirt and then put a dry bag over it and secured it. And that's what we used to help protect it a little bit. Just knowing we had to make it fall on, you know, a rocky avalanche shoot for several hundred feet more. Um, which I thought was a cool, it was something, you know, me not having experience with. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's helpful. Um, yeah, actually, I think I, I stole him a dry bag because it was destroyed from that. But um, <laughs> if you get into a spot where you have to push it off further, just little tip that I learned on my hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I never would have thought of that, but it makes total sense. Yeah. Man, cool. What is there any other questions you have for us? I mean, obviously Steve's hunted mountain goats in Idaho and um yeah, anything you just wanted to throw at us? Yeah, uh I think I probably already know the answer to this, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I mentioned, I'm a bit of a, a gear junkie. I think a lot of folks that listen to this podcast probably are, but <laughs> I noticed in marking your hunt, you were wearing crampons and Steve, in your opinion. Is that something that uh, you really no, need in Idaho? No, yeah, I would. I I since I didn't have them back in 2014 when I had my tag, but I have since used the Catula micro spikes on certain hunts, certain times of the year. Like I had them last year and I killed my elk, and they were incredibly handy to have. I, I don't think they're necessary at all, but I would something like those would be have in your truck. And then if the, you know, it looks like, ah, I might need them or, or take them on some scouting trips when you're, you know, just trying to add weight to the pack anyways and slap them on and hike around and see what you think, but full on crampons. No, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was thinking. Unless, and then unless it's, you know, uh, you end up late October and it's snowed of 18 inches and then it's, you know, zero degrees and everything's frozen. That's, that's different. But if you're hunting okay. on dry ground or yeah, it's just not an issue. Okay. Yeah. This is definitely putting the cart before the horse, but did you guys both do full body mounts on your goats? Um, obviously, I haven't <laughs> successfully completed this hunt yet, but <laughs> my odds are good that I will. Um, I have, like I mentioned, I have a small house. I've got one spot where I could fit a full mount, but I've kind of been leaning towards doing a rug and a euro after looking at some of the threads on Rock Slide. Mm. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a rug slash blanket would be pretty cool to snuggle up under it on the couch, you know, looking at the fire in the wintertime. But yeah. Yeah. Steve, what have you done with your goat? <laughs> I'm, I'm the wrong one to ask. <laughs> uh, I, mine sat in a freezer for five years to okay. hide. And then I, I gave it to a taxidermist three years ago and then he had some issues and I, I haven't seen it. So, um, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of a long story. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I need to message the guy and find out what the heck's going on with it. I was, as I mentioned, I, I was bow hunting and I shot mine and I made it, uh, I made an accurate shot, but he just happened to step right on a shot. So I hit him in the ass basically. And then mm -hmm. I had to finish him up with a rifle and it was such a, there's actually a video on YouTube we put up years ago on it. Um, the whole hunt's up there. Uh, but it was such a bitter, sweet, you know, I was just like pissed off at myself. And it took me a lot of years to even want to do anything with the hide. So I was just so, you know, back then I was a purist bow hunter and I was just, uh, I was just pissed. It kind of put a big uh, dampener on the whole hunt experience for me. But uh, that's why, 
yeah, it's why it sat in the freezer forever. But I mean, at the end of the day, I, I got the goat and was successful and, um, but it was just not, you know, not how you, uh, dream up the experience in your head. Yeah. 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 For me, Josh, I think I'm, uh, I'm gonna do exactly what you mentioned, like a Euro and a throw slash blanket type thing. Um, I do. It, it is, you know, you hear a lot of guys say like full body or nothing on a goat. And I tend to agree in terms of if you're mounting it, like there's not, I haven't seen many good shoulder mounts that I like. There's a couple like half body type stuff, things that have some potential, at least for my style. Um, mm. But between, yeah, for me, it came down to much like you. Um, I don't have a great space for a full mount and I still, you know, just struggle with the cost of it, right? I look at that cost and I, uh, to get it done well and all that, uh, I look at like, man, what I could help fund another hunt with that money type thing. <laughs> and yeah. part of it for me comes down to, um, I like the idea of, you know, for me, like the hide is they're they are amazing. Um, and like a Euro and all that, like they're super cool to look at. Um, but I like the idea of, you know, being a little more quote unquote hands-on, like having this hide you can like touch and feel versus just some mount that's like stuck way up on a wall type thing. So, um, because of space price and the called the tangible aspect of like kind of having a, a throw or a hide that you can, um, kind of have in hand a little bit more. That's, that's the route that, um, I'm going. So it's actually, uh, should be getting that done here pretty pretty soon so um yeah that's ultimately what i decided on i thought for a while i was going to do a full mount but um yeah i like kind of for me for my preference and style and needs like where your head's at i think is uh very much where i'm at too awesome i like it i have seen our buddy justin carey killed one and he did a really cool he has a small house he did a really cool pedestal mount where the goat's more vertical on it but doesn't Mm -hmm. take up that much space it was really uh really cool i was very impressed with it yep. that's what when i you know i dropped off the hide to the taxidermist and he was getting a tan i was like and i sent him a picture of it like let's do something really similar to this because it's it's cool it doesn't take up a ton of space it looked beautiful just an option yep yeah justin's like, is great and that's what i again going back yeah. to space that's what when i was going to do a full mount is going to be pretty similar so it's vertical and upright and doesn't you know take up as much floor space and things like that cool well, man, excited to, uh, I, I kind of don't want to wait till October. <laughs> Part of me is like, man, I wish you could do this early. So I don't have to wait three, four months to hear about it. Um, but yeah, man, really looking forward to hearing how this hunt goes. And I'm just, uh, excited for you to not only have the hunt itself, but like we said, this whole, you know, next couple months, even leading up to it, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send progress reports if anything notable comes along. <laughs> yeah, man. Please do. Please do. Um, One thing that I was just thinking about is if you're scouting now, be looking, your primary focus should be looking for nannies and kids. The the billies are going to be a couple ridges away, but if you're waiting until October where I was finding them in my July and August scouting trips, if you wait till October, they're, you know, by October 1st, they're going to be within a ridge or around the back of a whole nanny kids are living in this basin on the backside of that off of a finger ridge is going to be a, a lone billy there. That's going to start 
in October, just checking in on those nannies. Uh, so just okay. something to keep in mind. I definitely like don't just be looking for billies. If you're you know seeing nannies and kids, like definitely earmark that because that's where they are going to transition. Just like bull elk do, right? Like where you find them in July, not most likely where you're going to be hunting them September fifteenth. Right, that makes sense. Well, thanks for the time, man. Uh, yeah, just really excited to hear how it goes and um, reach out to Steve or myself if you have other questions that pop up before the hunt. But otherwise, man, really excited to hear hear all about it. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap. Best of luck to you, Josh. Can't wait to hear how the hunt goes. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you want to make sure that you get the future episode with Josh, as well as all other podcast episodes to come, make sure you hit subscribe or follow in whatever podcast app that you're using. And you can always find all episodes by just going to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget, if you have any questions, comments, or a story to share with us, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com, and we'll talk to you soon.